up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen every single day. It's free on all platforms, five days a week, every single, coming at you every single weekday. So make it a part of your daily routine to make it your first listen. Tell your pals to do the same. It's Lockdown Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, we're going to talk about the Blazers' win over the San Antonio Spurs. They kick off a road trip in San Antonio, the first of six away from home. Uh, the Texas Triangle coming up here, San Antonio, Dallas, and Houston. They knock off the first one in that trio. We'll talk about that game. Talk about a third quarter that went wrong until the... Damon Lillard didn't let it go wrong and appreciate Damon a little bit in the second segment. And then finally, I got two stats to close the show about Blazers role players that are deeply meaningful or mostly meaningless. I'll let you be the judge, but I think they're telling uh, about some uh, the supporting cast and how they can help push this team moving forward. First, let's do what we do. The fastest recap in the West. The Blazers win this game 128-112. Uh, the offense has been rolling and it was rolling. Lynn early. Blazers score 39 in the first quarter, lead 39-28 after one. Damian Lord had 12 points in that opening quarter, but the ball was popping. The Blazers had assists, eight assists on their first 11 field goals, finished with nine assists on 15 field goals in the first quarter. They were they were getting it done. Uh, Damian Lord usually, usually he... Uh, probes early, like he, he sees how the defense is going to cover him, and then... And then in the second half or late in the second quarter after that first quarter when he kind of settles in and figures out what the defensive coverage is going to be, then he starts to look for his own shot. And this is when he did the exact reverse. He looked for his own shot. Then the defense, the Spurs started to be more aggressive, send double teams, and he started getting the ball out and the Blazers just got whatever they wanted. 39 that first quarter, scored 73 in the first half, led 73-57 at the break. Um, This was, they broke, they set the record for most points in the, uh, set their, season high for most points scored in the first half in the previous game Monday evening against Minnesota that lasted two days lasted a total of zero games 73 points in the first half your new uh your new season record for most points scored in the first half 73 is a wild number on pace for almost 150 led by as many as 19 in the quarter they broke the game open and it looked like they were going to run away with it uh and I'll actually I'll give this note a little bit later on uh but there was there was a moment here. There was two moments here that I think were a problem for the Blazers, unrelated to the players on the floor. Third quarter was a mess for the Blazers. We'll talk a little bit about that in the second quarter. But the Spurs cut the lead to as, as four. You know, down sixteen at the break. Amphrey um, Simons actually hit a three in the opening seconds of the third quarter, back to nineteen, and the Spurs outscored the Blazers from 50, by fifteen for over the next eight minutes. Cut it to four, and then uh, uh, then the Blazers closed the quarter strong, hitting four of their final six shots to take a 97-89 lead, up eight, heading into the fourth quarter. Spurs never got closer than eight. They cut it to eight, two separate occasions deeper into the fourth quarter, but never closer than that. And with 16 minutes left, or 60, up 16 with three and a half minutes left, rather. 16 minutes left is really not how quarters work. Up 16 with three and a half minutes left, Chauncey Billups pulled the plug, put in the end of the bench, and the Blazers could cruise and get their starters a little bit of time off so they didn't have to play crunch time because the Spurs really weren't going to come back. The Blazers held them at bay. That's your fastest recap in the West. Damian Lord finished with 37 points on 14 of 23. Shooting made 7 of 14. Three-pointers added 5 boards and 8 assists. He did turn the ball over 5 times. Turnovers were a problem in this one. Anthony Simons, 15 in the first half, finished with 23 points. Uh, he also added four assists. 
Uh, Jeremy Grant, 18. Yusuf Nurkic, 15. And seven boards uh, off the bench. Shaden Sharp had 12. On the other side, my man, Keldon Big Body Johnson, had 25 for the Spurs, who were playing without starting center Jakob Pertle, among others. Uh, double digits off the bench from Doug McDermott and Devin Vassell as well. Um, the Spurs were com- were competitive and feisty, and their de- their aggressive defense in the third quarter kind of got them as close as they could be. But this was... This was about taking care of business. For, for me, this game was only going to be meaningful. Like, I'm going to talk about it because I host a daily podcast. But, like, this game was only going to be meaningful if the Blazers lost. Um, but let me talk about the two moments. The two um, the two moments of, I would, I'm going to call it hubris, but that might be too harsh of a word. The big one, the one that I thought was a little, a little dicey. Blazers are up 19 in, in the... In the um, in the second quarter and the broadcast is really leaning into analytics. Um, you know, they got Corey Jez on there and he's, he's, he's bringing the, the advanced numbers and kind of, um, second spectrum data and all that and giving fans kind of like more, uh, data driven analysis of what happens. And he has a little, his own little score box. They got to give Brooke a box, right? Brooke has to talk off camera. Corey Jez gets to talk on camera, make a box for Brooke. Uh, but he, you know, he was in the building. I believe he lives in Austin, Texas. So he's in the building. First time he's he's been live during those things on on location. Um, but like the, the this isn't about Corey. Like whatever he's he, he mostly he mostly brings uh, good interesting data for for people to chew on. But the the, the broadcast in general has sort of leaned into um, leaned into analytics. And they've leaned into the the win probability. And then when they were they were playing against the the Minnesota Timberwolves on Monday night, and they're smoking the Timberwolves, and the win probability was like ninety nine and some change percent. And they flashed it on the screen a couple times in the second half, third quarter, and, and such when the Blazers and and in the fourth when the Blazers were rolling along. And Kevin Kevin Calabro, my man KC, even shouted it out and said it happened. They went too early with this one in the second quarter for a very brief moment. The Blazers win probability 91% on the board in the second quarter. That's hubris. That is hubris. Do not, I do not recommend doing that. That's the type of thing where that's like a money screenshot for if you blow the lead. And when the Blazers were blowing the lead in the third quarter, all I could think about was like, Remember when it was ninety one percent in the second quarter? Remember when they were? Remember when they were putting the the victory flag up? Coming in from halftime, also Lamar and Kevin on the broadcast. That's Kevin Calabro and Lamar Heard, the Blazers' wonderful broadcast duo. Um, they were talking about uh, you know maybe they'll be able to get these some veterans some time off down the stretch. Now the Spurs stink, and when they made their you know and they're shorthanded. They're the one the worst defense of the league. They're thirtieth in defensive rating and the worst defense in the league. They're missing their best player and best defender in Jakob Pertl. Like this, the Blazers were going to score a kajillion points, and they did. He scored 128, and they could have scored more um, if they hadn't had such a bad opening nine minutes of the third quarter. Like, but uh, it just a super jinx to be like, maybe they'll get to rest some players, and then they immediately blow it. Um, it I just I I noted those two moments in my head of being like careful now the Blazers have been playing really well they've won four out of five they won three in a row they look pretty good um and they're taking care of business you know Minnesota is really bad defense the Blazers lit them up and took care of them the Spurs really bad defense the Blazers lit them up and took care of them the the, the mark of good teams is winning is taking care of good of, of the easy games right like you easy is maybe the wrong word but like when you have winnable games against teams that are going to be in the lottery or whatever Minnesota ends up, like a, a not particularly good team as they were currently constructed. And Minnesota played zero defense in that Monday night game. Like, just beat them and just just handle them. Uh, you know, over the course of the season, uh, margin of victory is a really good indicator of good teams. So blowing bad teams out is a pretty good indicator of being a good team. The best, the most clutch thing you can do is avoid close games, um, is avoid the clutch altogether. So like, I'm not really knocking the Blazers. They they. 
they cruised in this one, right? They didn't have to play the final four minutes. Uh, the Spurs are not good enough to really threaten down the stretch. So when the Blazers got it back to double digits, it didn't matter. But like in that third quarter, the opening nine minutes of the third quarter, the Blazers who had been so sharp to start the game were sloppy. I want to visit. I want to visit that little bit and then talk about the captain, Damian Lillard, kind of steadying, steadying the ship, keeping, getting the things back on track, and sort of an appreciation a little bit for Damian Lillard in the second segment. But before we do that, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. And you might know that ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online. But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you've run out of stuff to watch on Netflix, and this will change your world. ExpressVPN allows you to binge, say, The Office on United Kingdom on the UK Netflix. It's so simple to do. Just sign in Netflix, fire up ExpressVPN app, change your location to the UK, and refresh Netflix, and that's it. Bing, bang, boom. You're watching the United Kingdom version of Netflix. Uh, If you've ever traveled to another country, like um, when I used to travel for, for work more often... I go to Canada a little bit, Canadian Netflix, all types of new movies, amazing. So ExpressVPN can help you unlock the magic of international Netflix, but um, it lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. So you can choose from almost 100 different countries. So you imagine all the Netflix libraries you can go through. You love Korean dramas, use ExpressVPN to watch Parasite off the South Korean Netflix using your own Netflix subscription, not just Netflix, Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There's hundreds of VPNs out there, but VPN is the one that allows you to watch shows with ridiculously fast streaming, no buffer, no lag, stream in HD with no problem. It also works on all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. Whatever you're trying to watch, check out the ExpressVPN app so you can watch what you want on the big screen or on the go. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Free. That's expressvpn.com slash locked on. Expressvpn.com slash locked on to learn more. Today's show is also a reminder to be safe when you're out there having fun during this holiday season. You might be hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks, a few becomes too many, and as evening comes to an end, people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby, you can make it home, it's okay, no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over anyway, right? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? Well, your insurance can go up, you could lose your license, you could lose your job, you could total your car, you could kill somebody. Look, everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober, get pulled over. All right. Blazers were cruising in the first half, 73 points, up 16, up 19 early in the third quarter, and then it kind of all came crumbling down. Uh, over the first eight minutes and 45 seconds of the third quarter, the Blazers, after Ant hit that three to put them up 19, made just four of their next uh, 13 shots. They turned the ball over five times over the next eight and a half minutes. Uh, the Spurs were 10 of 17, and they outscored the Blazers in that stretch 26 26-14, they, they cut a 16-point lead to four, and all of a sudden, it's a nightmare. 
the Blazers had started the game so crisp. Uh, Damian Lord accepting double teams and, and getting the ball out. The other Blazers spraying the ball around. The ball's moving around the perimeter. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic had four assists alone in the first quarter. They're getting the ball into the post and running dribble handoffs and letting Nurk be a hub. Uh, Jeremy Grant was attacking, getting good spacing off of Dame, and, and uh, Amphrey Simons was scoring. Josh Hart was moving the ball and cutting and being a menace like he is, and they were just so crisp on offense. They're playing against a bad defense. They're on the road. What do you do? You just take advantage and go get them. The crispness, the the sharpness, the focus was not there coming out of halftime. Uh, I, I think... Through the course of the year, the Blazers' worst quarter by net rating has been the second quarter. They're bad in the first quarter. They're really bad in the second quarter. They get it going. They actually have positive net rating in the third and a positive net rating in the fourth. Mostly in the second half, they've been good. Mostly after halftime, they've been good. Tonight, they weren't. They And they, they let it slip away just with casual minutes. Like, I don't think this is like a really big deal. And I don't mean to paint it as a really big deal, but it was just like... You know, it's the NBA. Every team makes a run. You know, Devin Vassell was making shots. Uh, Trey Jones was doing his thing. That they, they were getting getting uh, you know easy runouts uh, with with Keldon Big Body Johnson out there on on some turnovers, and some of the turnovers were because the Spurs were playing more aggressive defense. They were really coming out. Um, they were they were they had some bad drop coverage stuff with Gorgie Jang in there. But when it wasn't Jang, they were you know they were playing aggressive, you know, coming out to the level on screens, trapping, getting after it, you know, p- playing pressure defense, right? Like that was definitely the move and they were aggressive in that third quarter. But uh, like some of the Blazers turnovers were just careless nonsense, just throwing passes where they weren't, trying to throw hit passes ahead where no one is, um, sailing passes high. Like I, I never really bought the idea that early on in the season, like continuity was the reason the Blazers were turning the ball over a bunch. Some of it is skill set. They don't have a bunch of plus passers. And some of it is just like, just carelessness. There are moments when they are careless, not like, not in, um, not in a way like with lacking of familiarity in a way like, you need to be more serious on the ball. Like you need to like just mental, the the sort of the mental challenge of staying locked in. There's moments when they're not moments when um, that coupled with maybe not being a high level passer leads to turnovers, five turnovers in eight minutes. The Blazers are all of a sudden blowing this game. Um, It looks like it's going to be a problem. And um, I'm thinking like, come on y'all. No one's going to listen to the podcast. If they lose to the Spurs, don't do this to me. Uh, but they got it under control. And by they, I mean Damian Lillard. Four-point game, three minutes and 15 seconds left in the third quarter, and it's like, uh-oh, are they really going to make this a competitive game? Like, they're just so much better than the Spurs. Just go do it. And Damian Lillard comes off a screen from Drew Eubanks at the top of the key, and Gorgie Zhang is dropped in the paint playing drop coverage. God knows why. Um, he's more a little more comfortable with it. He changed it up later after this, but he's, you know, he's, I think his heels were on the foul line. He's like six feet lower than the three-point line. And Damian Lord comes around a, a screen at the top of the key from Drew Eubanks. He knows going around the screen, he's going to fire. If Drew Eubanks gets any piece of his man on a screen and Drew is a pretty good screener, then it's going up. Drew gets a good piece of Dame's man and it goes up, swish, blazes up seven after the Spurs miss and go the other way. Damian Lord comes back you know, works his way to the the left wing, just left of the top of the key. Again, Eubanks step up screen. Again, drop coverage. Again, Dame knows he he. Dame is smart enough that he's making the read like four dribbles before the screen comes. Okay, you're below the screen. I know what you did last time. If I take two more dribbles and you aren't at coming towards me, it's over. Like I'm firing. I'm getting my feet under me and firing right away. Going to his left, Damian Lord is so good at that that getting like loading up and getting his strength under him. As soon as, he, as soon as Eubanks gets the screen, raises up, c- 
cash just left at the top of the key. Blazers back up 10. They would not, Spurs wouldn't get closer than eight for the remainder of, of the period. Or excuse me, remainder of the game. Uh, the, the Blazers ended up going into up eight, getting into third, and, and the Spurs never got closer than that. They got cut to eight twice more in the in the fourth quarter, and the Blazers ended up, you know, pushing it to sixteen. And the, the final three minutes were uh, time for the end of the bench to come in, and Jabari Walker and Keon Johnson hit some threes. And a reminder that Keon, maybe on another team, would get real playing time. Uh, it's this was a for me. This was like a, just a reminder of what a presence game is. Twelve in the first quarter to set the tone. Ten in the in the second quarter as the Blazers ripping off seventy three points, twenty two at halftime, and then when they need him, thirteen more in the third quarter, including those uh, including those six right there on back to back threes, like it, to to make sure this one doesn't get too out of control. He had thirty five points in the first three quarters, uh, just two in the five minutes he played in the fourth, as the Blazers kind of just. Stiff armed, you know, Heisman Trophy, the the Spurs right on out of there. But this dude's going to be the Blazers' all time leading scorer in a little bit. And this game with 37 points put him on track to maybe do it earlier than you think. Dame is on pace uh, to break it, quote unquote, on pace to break the record in Houston if he keeps scoring at this rate. He's averaging, um, you know, he was coming in averaging 33 points per game over the first four games. That average has gone up a little bit with a 37-point night. Damian Lillard now just 70 points away from breaking Clyde Drexler's all-time scoring record, becoming number one on the Blazers' all-time scoring list, 70 points to do so. That means 35 points in back-to-back games, which he's averaging just over 34, right? Um, he's 35 on back-to-back games. He'll do it in Houston. And it would be poetic if he didn't in Houston because Houston, of course, is where Clyde Drexler, when he left in 95, it's where he went and it's where he never left. Dude went to college there and he just identifies more as a member of and a part of that community and a part of that franchise and all of those things. He's never really come back to Portland. I would say the knock on Clyde is that he doesn't associate at all with the pinwheel, at all with the Rose City, at all with Rip City. Dame does, and it would be quite poetic, quite special, quite, quite, poetic's the right word, poignant, for Dame to do it in Houston. That's a lot of points. <laughs> to back-to-back 35-point games is a lot of points. Uh, certainly he can score a bunch. Dame, you know, if the game had been close, Dame would have scored 40 in this one. He's he's on a heater right now. Um He's getting to the rim whenever he wants. He's making a whole bunch of three-pointers because he's got great lift. He's reading the game really well. And because Amphrey Simons and Jeremy Grant command some some uh, attention, he he's not getting... You cannot double-team him in the same super aggressive way. Now, the Spurs, you know, sent double-teams at him, like, at half-court to get the ball out of his hands, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, you can... You can you can live with that. Ant had 15 in the first quarter or 15 in the first half. Like you're going to give up 30 to someone else. So I, all of this is to say nine minutes of the third quarter was a mess for the Blazers. And then it was an appreciation of how good Dame is and a reminder that dude's going to be the top of the list because he just does this. When you need him, he has answered the call time and time again. And the Blazers needed him in a four point game. He answered the call and made sure that it didn't get, didn't get wacky and get ugly. Talk a lot about Dame in the recent episodes. He's really good. He's the best player on the team. Is what we're going to do a little bit on here. But I, on the show, it's just the nature of the beast. But I got two stats about the Blazers' uh, supporting cast. One about Josh Hart and one about Shaden Sharp that are deeply meaningful and tied into why the Blazers are winning games or their nonsense. You'll have to follow me in the uh, into the third segment to find out which they are. Two two key stats about Josh Hart and Shaden Sharp. That's what we'll do to close the show. But first, 
Let me tell you that this show is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar that there is. Look, uh, I've been staying up late with a newborn. I've got a... <laughs> I got some night shifts and you got to eat snacks in a night shift. You know what snack I'm reaching for? I'm reaching for a cookies and cream built bar because it's got a little bit of sugar to boost my, boost my blood sugar, keep me up late at night uh, into the into the wee hours. Uh, but it's also packs a punch. So there's fuel for my body to like use and be awake so I can be an alert father to a very young child. Uh, built bar has fueled me in work workouts. Built bar has fueled me for, you know, evening snacks when I got to go play pickup basketball or I need a little fuel to record a podcast. And now Bill Barr is fueling me through the night from that 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. shift so I can be you know, a, a present and useful dad. Shout out to Built Bar and their 17 grams of protein. Uh, go check it out, built.com, uh, and use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your next order at built.com. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. I got a couple stats for you that tell the story. Probably. <laughs> they probably tell the story. I got one about Shaden Sharp and one about Josh Hart. Let's start with Josh Hart. Josh Hart in this game went 0 for 3 from 3. 0 for 3 from 3. It was the 10th such game this season where Josh Hart has attempted three three-pointers. He's averaging just over two attempts a game. Uh, he was right at two attempts a game, but now he's he's taken more one more recently, and he's, he's averaging just over two attempts a game. But when Josh Hart attempts a third three-pointer, uh, some would say that's 50% more threes. I would, that's how I would categorize it. When he attempts a third three-pointer, attempts, so like gets it off, the Blazers are seven and three. They're seven and three when Josh Hart shoots a third three-pointer. Seven and three. Hart needs to get him up. Uh, they are they're undefeated when he makes multiple three pointers. It's happened in two games. Both both were against Minnesota over the weekend. Um, this is like you don't need to have an advanced degree or be a data scientist to understand that on a team like the Blazers, when that has the weapons that and Amphrey Simons and Jeremy Grant and and um, and Damian Lord and, and Yusuf Nurkic, if the other guy, if the fifth starter is making multiple three pointers, you're not going to beat them. They're just they're just going to be so darn good on offense. But Hart, like, that that stat, and I'm going to spoil it here, these stats don't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything that, that three attempts a game equals a 70% win percentage, right? Like, that actually doesn't mean anything. I'll admit it. This is a nonsense stat, a nonsense stat that allows me to talk about a bigger problem with Josh Hart is that he's just not shooting the ball enough. Uh, he told Danny Morang of Jacked Ramsey's uh, when when Danny asked him in a recent uh, after a recent post game I don't know what it was, when when it was exactly but but Danny shared this on on Jack Ramsey's podcast available wherever you got podcasts and also on YouTube uh, streaming twice a week and after most after most games over there on over there on the YouTube channel check it out but um, they are uh, Josh explained to Danny and explained to, to reporters who were there in the scrums like. Oh yeah, I'm 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 shooting less threes because we got so many dudes who would, who can score on that starting group. So I'm I'm in facilitator mode and like you know when you got the weapons like Ant and Jeremy and Dame, uh, you know you kind of gotta you gotta you know you gotta figure out other ways to help the team and you know not look for your own offense. And I'm doing that and I call BS on that. Sure. Sure, there's some truth to it, is that Josh Hart is looking to set guys up and that perhaps that mentality of I'm going to set other, guy, set other guys up because 
we've got three dudes who can score 40 a night and Yusuf Nurkic wants his touches too on offense and I got to get in where I fit in and I can be impactful without shooting. Sure, there is some truth to that. Um, But the larger answer is BS because you know it when you see it. It's not that Josh Hart isn't shooting and is trying to get guys involved. It's that Josh Hart is passing up open shots. I'm not worried. Like I, I like the mentality of like, I'm the fifth option. I'm never going to be more than, say, the third option, depending on the lineup is. And Josh doesn't even play with that second unit, so he's like pretty much always the fifth option. Uh, when they go to the second unit, it's it's Shaden Sharp and Justice Winslow come in, and Hart, Hart's on the bench, just the way the rotation works right now. So he's pretty much always the fifth option out on the court, the way the offense works. And even when Dane was out, he's like the fourth option, the way the offense works. He's never going to be that. So I get it, and, I, and I'm not saying that he he lied or whatever when Danny asked him that. What I'm saying is that he was misrepresenting the actual truth. The actual truth is that there are times when, when Josh Hart is open with no one in front of him and needs to take a three-pointer, and he drives into space. He eats up the eight feet between him and the closest defender and drives into harder shots or drives into passes and drives into the teeth of defense. That sometimes is fruitful and leads to other things, but I don't want Josh Hart to to, to it's not attacking a closeout if some if no one's not closing out. I like the mentality. I like the idea, but I want Hart to shoot open three pointers. When he has open threes, shoot the ball, Josh. Because the Blazers win games when you take shots. Uh, you want to know how this stats BS? Josh took two normal three-pointers in this game, and his third three was at the end of the first half. He gets the ball in the left corner, and the clock's winding down. He kind of double clutches to get the shot off, and like hits the side of the backboard as the as the uh, as the uh, halftime buzzer sounds, and they go into the locker room, and it's like. There you go. And I, I kind of had this stat keyed up. I knew I was going to do this on the show. So I was like, good job, Josh. Way to shoot it so I can make this make this uh, segment work. But like, it's it the number I shared is BS. Josh's kind of explanation for why he's shooting less threes is mostly BS. We see it. You're passing up open shots. Shoot them, Josh. Shoot the ball. Uh, he's getting better. He's taken three threes in each of his last three games Head in that direction. Three plus, four threes a game is the right number for, for Josh Hart. He's a good shooter, particularly from the corners. Shoot the ball. Shoot the ball. Here's another stat that's like definitely meaningful, super valuable, and you will want to take take home with you. The Blazers are 8-4 and four when Shaden Sharp scores in double figures. Shaden Sharp had 12 points tonight against the San Antonio Spurs. He caught an awesome alley-oop uh, from... He got two alley-oops, actually. He caught, caught one from Dame, one from Josh Hart. He had a nice top of the key three. He's... he's um, dude... Dude's looking good. He had a nice little mid-range pull-up as well. Finished 5 of 7 from the floor, 2 of 4 from 3, uh, and scored 12 points in 23 minutes and 25 seconds in, in just under twenty, uh, just under 24 minutes. Um, Blazers, now in 12 games, Shaden Sharp has scored in double figures, are now 8 and 4. That doesn't mean anything either. <laughs> Here's another one for you. The Blazers are, are uh, undefeated 2-0 when Shaden Sharp scores exactly 12 points. He's done it twice, did it tonight. They're now 2-0 when he scores exactly 12 points. I want to talk about Shaden Sharp a little bit because um, when he is ready and uh, like the aggressive mindset, mostly good stuff happens. Uh, there are, are times that Sharp is comes around and is not, he doesn't have his feet under him. He's like, he's coming around and just filling in and the ball swings to him on the wing and he doesn't have his feet under him. So he's either not ready to shoot or not ready to drive. And he's gotten called for travels because of that. He's passed up good open looks because of that. Or he's just, he just has to swing the ball and make it, make it move. Like 
be in an attack mindset when you get it. Um, he's not always there. It's he's he's kind of still feeling it out. He's gonna make mistakes. Like I'm, I'm not. He's 19 and he looks really when he's good. He looks so fluid and so special. I think he's going to be a very very good basketball player. I'm not really worried about him being kind of um, kind of looking lost sometimes as a teenager in the league. It is that is not meaningful. I'm glad he is contributing and scoring regularly on a good team. Like that's that's. He plays every night, has an every night role on a team that's, you know, fifth in the Western Conference. It's good stuff. Good stuff. I'm not, I'm not really um, here to be deeply critical of him, but I think recently there have been more times when he looks unsure and unprepared when the ball gets to him or before the ball gets to him. And tonight there was, there were two occasions when he did that. And there was two occasions when his feet were under him, like his first catch early in the first half, his, he wasn't ready. And then he had a catch later in the first half where he was ready and he steps in and aces a three pointer. It looks good. He had one from the top of the keep one from the left wing. Um, he, he, when Sharp is in that attack mindset, he can be really good. Dude knows how to work the baseline. They put him in the corner and he knows how to work the baseline. He can go up really strong. And he's good at working that baseline and going into contact and doing what he can do to, to sort of hang in the air because he can hang longer than you can and score through contact and, and you know, use the glass or, or, um, or that little crazy MJ up and under move that he has pretty fluidly like he had against Minnesota on Monday night. Like, dude's got moves. But he has to be ready to make those moves because if he's not ready, the game's moving too fast for him. If he's not ready on the catch, he's he's he is making mistakes by, um, you know, attacking against a defender that knows that he wants to get to his right hand or a defender that says, you do not have a tight enough handle that if I get up into your space, you are going to get past me. And Sharp Sharp doesn't. And his pull-up, he's, he struggled in these sort of pull-up shots. Like he has... The ability to one day be a really, really good pull-up shooter because he's got great elevation, he's got great balance when he's on balance, and a really fluid-looking release. Like, it is so pretty. But there are times now when he can't get to his balance. He can't get to those pull-up shots, and he's rushing them in pull-up situations, or he's driving too deep into the defense, and when he doesn't have space to do something acrobatic, he's kind of getting taking harder shots than he needs to. And to me, that is because he's not doing his work early. It is when you are off the ball, read the game, and 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 this is you know easier said than done, but read the game and say, when it gets to me, I need to be ready to shoot or attack. I need to be ready to, um, you know, and, and, and not like catch it and go triple threat like we're playing high school basketball in 2005. Like catch it, catch it on the go. Like that's, that's the league now is triple threat's dead. You've got to catch it on the go. You got to catch it with your feet set going into a shot or catch it and not lose that, um, not lose that advantage. Catch and just go opposite the way the ball came and attack as the defense closes out to you. Um, sharp, sharp, when he's decisive, and when he's decisive and prepared, he's very good because he's very skilled. When he's not decisive, you see him make mistakes. And it's we're talking split second. There's very, 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 very little time between you weren't ready and now you're making a mistake or you weren't ready and now you don't have an advantage versus you were ready and man, does that shot look clean. Blazer 8-4 and four when Shaden Sharp scores in double figures. He helps them win. This is like the same kind of math, y'all. Um, it's a good offensive team and when you get... When, when a teenager who comes off the bench scores in double figures, you are more likely to win those games than not. Um, a couple of, you know, the highest scoring game of Sharp's career they lost because he's kind of... They were undermanned and they're playing in a... Blah, 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 blah. There's more details to it. But in general, if the team is whole and Shaden Sharp is scoring in double figures, they're going to be hard to beat. And part of him getting there is just getting 
getting his, um, as Bill Raftery says, I'm a college, I listen to, I used to watch a lot of college basketball, have watched a lot of Bill Raftery um, calls in my day is get those puppies in order. Like get your feet set, get them things ready to go. Because if you can attack off a good base, you're going to be better. A really good athlete attacking off a good base is going to be um, more dangerous and sharp can be exactly that. That's going to do it for today's show. Um, Come back for come back for tomorrow's show. Friday show we will look ahead to the Blazers' weekend games against Dallas and Houston. Uh, we will do. Um, we'll have a lot of fun. I promise. We'll look ahead and do some other fun things. Got. I'm I'm trying to line up an interview. Hopefully it'll be there. So uh, we'll see what happens. If not, it'll happen next week. No worries. But that's what we do. It's a show every single weekday, Monday through Friday. Make it your first listen every single weekday. Tell your friends to do the same. Make your second listen, Locked on Sports Today, 22-minute program covering all the biggest stories across all of the major sports leagues. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.